Here's what I want us to understand about ourselves. And I want us to get this because this is such an important thing. And here's what it is. There is something about secrecy that empowers temptation. And there is something about accountability that empowers self-control. And every one of us understand this. That all of us will react at least a little bit differently when we think the camera's rolling or we think people are watching than we will do when we are alone. Some of you have experienced this. You ever been there, kids, with your mom and dad? And there they are, and your mom or your dad, they're yelling and they're screaming at each other. I can't believe you. You're just like your father. You will never do this. Ah, you're, you're just filling the blank. Bleepity bleep, bleep, bleep. And then the phone rings. And the middle of the yelling, hey, I can't believe you this. Hey, Barbara, good to hear from you. <laughs> and you're, you're there looking like, Sybil, what's happening with all of that? Like, it's, it's, there's something different. You can just flip a switch, can't you? Or you're yelling at your kids. I gave birth to you. I gave you life. I give you food and clothing. You are so, I can't believe. And you notice their friends there. Oh, Johnny, good to see you. Yes, we love our kids. We don't, we don't beat them. We, we do love them. Everything, everything's good. But isn't it true that there's just something that happens in, inside of us when we feel like someone's watching that even though we could be in the midst of temptation, all the emotions, all the desire, everything is raging. The moment you realize someone's there, it's like a switch, a flip, where all of a sudden what you were losing control in, now you actually find self-control because there's something about this accountability that gives us like extra added strength against temptation. I mean, think about this. Like, go ahead right now. We have a roaming camera somewhere around here. Um, we do this for church at home, by the way. We love you guys. And, and, and uh, we have this roaming camera. So imagine for a moment, if we had the roaming camera on you right now, you go ahead and struggle looking at the same thing on your phone as you did last night. Like, all of a sudden, if you're on that screen, you're like, oh, not tempted at all. Don't even want to look at that. I'm not going to look at that reel one more time. Right? Or, or you go ahead and you talk to your husband the same way that you did last night when no one was around and you say those same words. We're gonna put the camera around. You go ahead and say it. Some of you are like, I will say it right now. But like, <laughs> right? But, but, but the reality is it's just, it's different and we need to understand this. In fact, if I were to go, hey, listen, we're gonna have a film crew follow you for an entire week, like 24 seven, we're gonna have a film crew follow you. I can tell you that every one of us would alter our behavior. You would probably eat healthier, right? Yeah, just, we just eat vegetables at our house. Fresh, I picked these in my own garden. Right? Like, oh, oh I always, house is always clean. That's just you know, cleanliness next to godliness, right? Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. We don't, we don't watch that until we read our Bibles every night for two hours together. I want you to come in, kids. We're going to do devotions. Kids are like, what's devotions? And, 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 and you're like, but because there's something different, right? This is why it's like you don't feel like cleaning your house. Well, someone's come over. Okay, now I all of a sudden am motivated to clean my house because all of a sudden what's going to happen? I'm going to be exposed, if you will. I'm going to be seen. And what was secret was private. It's no longer secret and private. And it adjusts how we live. And it is so important for us to understand that it is our human nature, this is who we are, is that there's something different about when we live in secrecy or we think in privacy. In fact, I will tell you right now that almost every one of the biggest regrets of your life, the choices you make that you wish you didn't make, were actually done in a moment of secrecy where you thought or a moment of privacy where you did not think people would find out. Because there's something about secrecy that empowers temptation and there's something about accountability that empowers 
empowers self-control. And every one of us deal with this. Now, why is this statement so important? Like, why do we need to understand this? And that's this. We are in a focus on how to have triumph over temptation. Like our idea and our goal in this series is, how do we find ourselves in our lives with less moments looking back going, I regret that choice, I regret that consequence, and more moments looking back going, hey, I'm glad I did it, not I regret or I wish I hadn't done it, right? I, I wanna find you living with more rewards and less regrets by making good choices. Because your choices that you make actually determine the life and the relationships that you experience. And so they're very important. And every one of us understand that all of us make bad choices from time to time. We make good ones too. But we make, we have ourselves in those moments, we get emotional, we get tired, we get discouraged, we have certain things triggered in us, and we have a tendency as human beings to do things that we regret. And we looked at this over these last few weeks. And one of the things that we understood about us as well was this, is that good people are still tempted with the desire to do bad things. We love to define people by the worst mistakes. So we love to think that it's, he's a bad person, she's a bad person, so she did a bad thing. But when you look at the totality of your life and you recognize, well, wait a minute, you think you're a good person. Like you want to do good and yet you've still done bad things. You can look at the scripture. There's a man named King David and God himself. Okay, this wasn't his mommy saying it, right? This is God himself. And he looks at David's heart and he says, this is a man after my own heart. This is a man I want to bless and honor. And David lived life with such faith. He slayed Goliath. Integrity, even when his boss treated him the way he shouldn't be treated. He had this incredible integrity. He treated his enemies a certain way. Like he honored God in every single moment. And yet you fast forward in his life to a moment on top of his castle when he thought was secret and he thought was private. And he began to do what he would not do in public and he did it in private. And next thing you know, this great good person was tempted with the desire to do a bad thing and he did it and he shipwrecked his family and he shipwrecked his life because of a moment of secrecy and a moment of privacy. What happened? The temptation got greater. So here's what I want you to understand. It's not that good people are tempted with the desire to do bad things. It's that good people are tempted with the desire to do bad things and that temptation even increases the more you think you live in secrecy, and the more you think that you experience privacy. And so my heart for today is really simple. What is something that we can do in our lives? And there's so many things we can do in this area, by the way. Some of this is just accountability. Some of this was like sharing passcodes on phone. Like my wife and I, we share passcodes on our phones. She has access to my social media. I have someone on staff with our social media. I mean, how many people have, how many, I mean, just recently, another pastor he had to resign from all of his roles and all these things because of what was going on with instant messaging and these things. To myself, I'm going, why in the world would you ever put yourself in that position? You say, so sometimes accountability are choices that we can make and just being wise and discerning on not putting ourselves in environments where we can even do certain things. But today what I want to focus in on is not just the actions we take, it's a mindset of, of you beginning to understand something and understanding the reality of this, that secrecy is actually an illusion. In fact, I want to give you two statements that I hope that you walk through in this life, and I hope you understand these. And the next time you find yourself in the heat of the argument, in the heat of the moment, and you find yourself and you think no one's watching, I want to help you with two things to live your life with that are going to help you have less regrets from bad decisions and more rewards from good decisions. That's going to help you when you understand this mindset, go, I thank God I did, not, oh, I wish I had not done that. And these things are so powerful when you walk and live with this mindset. And here's the first thing that I want you to understand, and that's this. There is no such thing 
a secret sin. Like, I know you think it is. I know it felt like no one saw it. But what I want you to understand is I want you to live with this mindset because once again, secrecy empowers it. No one's gonna know. No one's gonna, it's rocket. There he is. Like, no, he's looking around. You see, like there's no one here. No one's here. There's something about secrecy that empowers temptation. So I want you to be aware of a truth that regardless of what you feel, there is no such thing as a secret sin. There is no such thing as a secret struggle. There is no such thing, listen to this, as a secret moment in your life. In fact, let me show you this story of this king in the Bible. This, 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 this king was the king of Aram. And he was sinning by doing battle against God and his people. He was raging war against God and his people. And I want to look at the story because I want this to help you begin to understand this reality. To help you make better decisions. And here it is. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, so he's in a private moment, he's having a strategy meeting to defeat God's people. He said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, okay, that's a prophet named Elijah, uh, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the um, Arameans are going down there. So he's strategizing in privacy and secrecy how to take out God's people. A prophet is made aware of it and then telling the king, hey, be careful, don't go there because there's a trap for you. So we continue. So the king of Israel uh, checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha, who's a prophet, um, warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. So he summoned his officers and he demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Now let's kind of unpack what's happening. There's this king. He's the king of Aram. He's an evil king. He's sinning against God and his people. So he's gathering in the privacy of his, if you will, castle, in the privacy of his inner chamber. He has a few people in a room and they're developing a strategy to take out God's people. And yet every time he goes to the place, he realizes, well, someone tipped off God's people. Like somehow what happened in this room got to them. And so he does the only logical thing. Hey, Google didn't exist. Alexa can't listen in. Siri wasn't there. There are no bugs. And there's only a few of us in an inner room. And somehow the information in secret, what was done in private, somehow became public. So one of you had to be the reason why. There's no other logical explanation. And then God in his word reveals what the explanation is. I want you to see it. And here's what it is. He says this. None, oh, there we go. I don't know what's going on with this TV, but I'll try it again. There we go. None of us, my Lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, listen to this, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Now, that's a little chilling. I get that. But what I want you to understand is the reality of what he's saying. He goes, let me tell you something about God. There is no such thing as secrecy from him. You see, the Bible calls this omniscience, right? Omniscience. He's all-knowing. And what is revealed in this moment, that even though the king is literally in the most private part, his, his quarters, right? And in the middle of that, in the bedroom, inside of the most private part of the world, the very conversations, the words that are spoken out of his mouth is actually heard by God. There is nothing in secret. And then God would inform the prophet to tell the king to protect his people. There is no such thing as secrecy in God. The reality is that God is all-knowing. So there never is a moment where it's just you or just you and a spouse or just you and a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Like, there's never a moment, listen to this, there's never a moment of secrecy. 
There's no such thing as secret sin. In fact, listen to what Jesus would share on the same thing. Um, I'll try this side. I think that side's broken. There, but, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, did you hear that? But Jesus, knowing, they didn't say anything. Like he actually could discern, the Bible will tell us this, he could discern the motives of our hearts, that people could even give something or do something, but the heart behind what they're doing, the motives and the emotions were maybe self-centered or self-absorbed. God reads it all. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, what do you think, why do you think evil in your hearts? Look at what else um, Jesus says. The time is coming when everything that is covered up, everything will be revealed. And all that is, what's that word? Say it out loud secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark you thought was secret, no one was there, will be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. And I just want us to be aware. Listen to this. This is not about guilt and shame. Like this isn't about, oh my gosh, God's a spy. I can't get away with anything. Well, you really can't get away with anything. But... This is about this understanding, right? What's the heartbeat? How can I help you win the battle of temptation? Like the heartbeat, how can I help you look back at your life and go, I have less regrets. I made better decisions. I'm not in bondage to certain things. I'm not looking back going, I wish I hadn't. I wish I would have done that differently. And what I want you to understand is there's a mindset of understanding. Well, secrecy empowers temptation. And now I understand that I have a God that is all-knowing and there is no secrecy. Then I have greater strength when I live with that mindset, right? I have greater strength that I can do the right thing. Thing. So understand this. So understand something. There is no such thing as secret sin. Here is the second thing that I want you to understand. And that's this. There is no such thing as private sin. And once again, you can look back in your life. And I'm telling you, something, some of the greatest regrets of your life were things done or said or not or in, in what you thought was a private setting. Here's how I want you to understand something. Is that you are never truly alone. I look at it, this illusion where Rocket was, if you could have seen him, he was in this lobby here at our Lake Worth campus. And we're in that lobby, and I was, I was actually in the closet over here, and I was looking out. So he couldn't see that I was looking, but I was actually looking at him. But if you notice this, he had the illusion of privacy. He didn't realize that I was actually watching, that cameras are rolling, that yes, we all left the room, but this whole idea of him being in private was actually not even real. It was actually an illusion. And I want you to understand something. Do you know there's never a moment that you're actually alone? When you think your mom and dad are gone and you do something, listen, you, they may be gone, but you are not alone. In fact, let me look at this first and I want you to see this first and I want you to understand something because once again, the heart is, I want to give you the strength to make the right decision. Look at what the scripture says. It says, run from sexual sin for no other sin um, so clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual morality is a sin against your own body. Now, once again, um, this example is more about this physical intimacy, right, between a man and a woman. And he said, I want you to understand something about this actual sin. It is different than everything else. The Bible tells us that two people in that act actually become one flesh. So it's not what Hollywood tells you it is. It's not just, oh, my body, do whatever I want. It's not just it feels good. It's not just pleasure. It's not just this, this physical act. It's actually emotional and spiritual as well. And God said, I want you to know that everything else you do, you don't become one flesh if you steal something. You don't become one flesh with Bud Light. 
You don't become one flesh with, with a, you know, certain things that you might do. But this sin is different than every other sin because of the way God created you, that when you do this with your body outside of the boundaries of marriage, then what begins to happen is you actually become spiritually, physically, and emotionally united with a person. So because I want you to understand this. Now the focus of this is not that, but I want you to understand what he's saying. Because notice what God reveals in his word about the reality that there's no such thing as a private sin. That you, if you will, are not simply this, you don't have this ability to simply do what you want to do with your life in those moments because no one's around. So notice what he says next. He goes, don't you realize that your body, that's you, is the, what's that? Is the temple of the Holy Spirit who Say that word, lives in you. Now, who lives in you and was given to you by God. So where does God live? In you. There's no such thing as private sin because where does God live? In you. You are holy, by the way. Like this isn't a negative thing. This isn't like God trying to be this like nanny, you know, just, this, you know, just doing all this. This is God going, I want to be with my children and I love my children. So I'm going to take my presence and I'm going to move inside of you so you will never be alone. And wherever you walk, I'll be with you. You don't have to yell for me. I am right there. You will never walk through darkness alone, tragedy alone, or sin alone. And this is what he says. And it is given by God. You do not belong to yourself because for God bought you with a high price. In other words, like this idea of God's presence in you came at a very big price to God. God literally sent his son, gave his life to cleanse you of sin so that God could move in you and you could be holy in the temple of God and God is with you everywhere. So you must honor God, what? With your body. Why? Because God is actually in your body. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is once again not about guilt and shame. And I want you to hear me in this. Please, 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 please. This isn't about, sometimes we can walk away and we can look at this life, oh, no, what I want you to understand is, is that no matter where you go or what you do, God is always, always, always with you. And so what that is designed to do, why we're talking about today is, my heart is you begin to understand that principle. Because in the moment you think is secret, in the moment you think is private, when you understand that it's not and God is with you, I hope that gives you extra strength to do the right thing. So there you are and you're in your truck. And you're with your girlfriend and your boyfriend. You're listening to Morgan Wallen. And you think to yourself, no one's here. And Jesus is like, nope, right here. You guys enjoy yourselves. Dang it. You see that principle? It's like, hey, you're sitting there at night. And you're, what am I going to watch on TV? Hey, Jesus, you, you enjoying Game of Thrones like me? Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, not. No, sorry. Hey, hey Jesus, do you want me to um, tag you in that, that TikTok post? Just want you to know, you want to you want, you want, you want be? Like, did you see that real? You see, you see the process? Like when you begin to understand, please hear me. When you begin to live like this, this is, this is, the, this is the reality. Is that sometimes what happens, we deceive ourselves. We think no one knows. No, it's my body. No one cares. Nobody, and God's like, no, 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 no. Like you were bought with a price. You are holy. You are my representation on this earth. You are my temple. I am with you. Which means everything you do, who is forced to do it with you? God. Because he is always with you, which means what? There's no such thing as private sin. So when you're in that business deal and you're twisting the truth to get that sale and you're speaking things that aren't necessarily true with integrity, who is forced to, who is forced to if you will, um, manipulate that person with you? Well, God is. 
because he dwells inside of you. You are his light. You are his representation on this earth. When you treat your staff in a bad way and you belittle that person and you speak those things to them and you don't, you know, and you don't treat them the way God would honor you, who is the one that's actually doing that with you? God is with you. And we need to understand this concept because when we understand that God is with us always, the heart is that it helps you go, well, I'm gonna behave differently. I'm not gonna give in to that temptation. It's not as tempting right now when I realize that God is actually with me. I don't know if I want, I'm not going to enjoy that sin the same way. I'm not going to do that the same way. I'm going to have greater strength because I know that not only no secret sin, there's no private sin because God is with me. Like, like I want you to think about it. Here's how this should play out. I want you, I want to read a verse to you and I want you to understand how practically speaking, this helps us make better decisions, have better relationships and have less regrets. So let's look at this verse and I want to read this to you. So in the same way, this is actually talking about husbands and wives. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. So God's talking about how you treat your husband, and then before that was your wife to your husband and your husband to your wife, in the privacy and the secrecy of your home. Now remember, no one knows. Guess who knows? He goes, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker physically, right? That was before CrossFit moms. Now you guys are way stronger. It's a long time ago, okay? He goes, you may be physically weaker, which once again is genetically true on the most part, but I have been into some of the gyms and I stopped going to them because it's embarrassing. But you may be weaker than you are, but listen, this is key, but she is your equal. Remember something in the context of the scriptures. Remember the context of the Middle East a couple thousand years ago. Women were treated less than men. In other words, um, if you go back, women's testimony wasn't even admissible in court in most cases. They, they were treated in many ways in a really um, derogatory, chauvinistic, awful way. And I love what God is saying. Hey, listen, I don't care what culture tells you. She's your equal. I, I, I don't care if you are maybe stronger than she is. That doesn't mean you're more valuable than her. She is your equal. She is made of my image. You are made of my image. And you know why that matters? It matters how you treat her. And by the way, before that, it says it matters how she treats you. Now listen to this. She's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Like do the right thing. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. What is God saying? Hey, I'm watching what you do in private and I'm watching what you do in secret and I want you to know something. They're affecting the power of your prayers. So you go ahead and you, and you go ahead and you speak to your wife that way. You go ahead and you're mean to your wife that way. You go ahead and neglect everything at home and just do what you do. You go ahead and do those things and you go ahead and treat her in a way that God doesn't honor that and you think, well, it's secret, it's private. No one really knows anything. And God's like, no, I know because I was there. And I know because I saw, and so you know what? When you're on your knees begging and begging and begging for that business deal, just understand something. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna listen. Like when you're on your knees begging for the Dolphins to make the playoff, he's definitely not listening to that because that doesn't happen. <laughs> when, you, when, you're, when you're on your knees crying, God, I need that promotion. Like I need that stock to go up, whatever it is. He goes, I want you to understand something, that I'm looking at what you're doing in private and what's secret, because it's not private, it's not secret. And it's actually thwarting the prayers 
that you're speaking to me. It's robbing you of the power of your prayers. And by the way, I think this is not just from male to female. This is from female to male because in the same way and before it talks about that. So you go ahead and you go ahead and treat your husband with disrespect. You, you go ahead and, and you speak those words and you, 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 you know, criticize all the time and you're not there for him physically and you're not there for them. And you go ahead and you make those statements in front of the kids. You treat them in that way. You go ahead and treat him different than everybody. You take your stress out on him. And God says, you know what? And then when you're on your knees praying, just understand, I saw what was secret and I saw what's, what's in private, because it is not secret, it is not private. I want you to realize something. As you're crying out for me to help you with this, and I'll be like, here's what happened. I'm not hearing your prayers because of your secret and your private life. Now, here's the heart of this. Here's, please, please hear me. It isn't about judgment for God. Is that what you discover is that God will actually discipline us, just like you would discipline your children, as a way, I'm gonna withhold that blessing, I'm gonna take that away, I'm gonna allow that pain in your life as a way to change your behavior. Because what happens is when husbands and wives don't honor each other and don't value the marriage and prioritize the relationship, what can I, it destroys the family union. It can destroy their soul. It can destroy so much around them. So God and a loving father is trying to protect, going, hey, I want to remind you of something. I'm there in the private. Because there is no private moment. There is no secret sin. There is no private sin. And I want you to realize that how you are behaving in private is actually robbing or adding the power to the prayers. And you need me to do these things in your life. And I want you to understand something. There is no such thing as private sin. And there is no such thing as secret sin. And my heart, as we begin to understand that, is then all of a sudden we start to behave differently. Because there is something about secrecy, this is, that empowers temptation. And there's something about accountability that empowers self-control. And when you begin to understand that someone's watching, someone's there, even though they love you and they forgive you, you still behave differently. In fact, it was funny, my wife and I were in a um, discussion this week, and she's looking at me wondering what I'm gonna talk about. But we were in a discussion and it was just a, dis we had a difference of opinion and a difference of understanding. So she remembered a situation one way, I remembered it the right way. And so we were um, in this discussion talking about this and we're kind of like, like it's not bad, like we weren't really, I, but we were like, you know, your tone goes up a little bit, the intensity goes up a little bit. And so we're in this conversation and right in the middle we look and there's two kids in our house. They're not even our kids. They just came in. They're just like, welcome to my house. And I never know who's there. And we're in the middle of it. We're like, oh, oh. And here's what was interesting. We didn't say anything mean or, or rude or like that. But here's what happened. I noticed this. That even in the context of having people watching, I would have changed my tone. She would have changed her tone. Because we did immediately as soon as we saw people were there. See, there's something about power. I want you to hear this. It's not about guilt, not about shame. There's something about understanding this that helps us make good decisions. It helps us thrive in life, not give in to the temptations, not compromise as much that will later give the enemy the ability to rob you of the person that God has created you to be and the life that God wants you to live. See, I, I remember this, this moment, this mindset um, being a battle for me or something that really could help me. But when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was in my early 20s, and I really wanted, I just like, he, God changed everything in me. You ask why I do what I do today? It's because of that. It's because I grew up, and I was rebellious. My, my dad's sitting right there. He can kind of tell you that. Like, I, I didn't do all the right thing. I was not the best son. Um, I, was, I was not the person. I didn't like who I was. And God just, in his grace and his mercy, forgave me. I, I dove into his word in the church, and God's word transformed me. And so I'm, like, really, really grateful to God. I'm going, I, God, I just love you, and I want everyone to know you. And so um, many of you don't know this. I played volleyball on the Bud Light Tour. Um, and for seven years, I traveled around and played beach volleyball and um, all across the state. 
state of, of Florida um, with Pastor Matt. I think he's over in Boynton campus probably today. Um, and we, we traveled all over and played. And yes, I know I'm short. I realize that. Thank you for sharing that um, at all. Um, I was the shortest guy on the tour. Every time, it's funny, for those of you in Boynton, every time I go to the Boynton campus, um, there's a big screen there if you haven't seen it. It's like three times the size of that, right? Because we stream over the service over that campus. And so in that, they have me like seven foot. So like it's everybody over there thinks I'm tall. And when I go there, I'm telling you, every time, like 100%, I'll walk in, they're like, you're shorter in real life. <laughs> and it's like 6'3 is not short. So I don't understand what they're saying about that. But, you know, they think that. But, but so I, I, I played on the Bud Light Tour, right? So we traveled, we trained 20 hours a week, and we'd have these crowds watching us, and um, just, I just loved, loved it. And so part of the way, I was like, hey, I'm going to wear a wooden cross, and I'm going to put this wooden cross on, on, on my neck, and I'm going to put another cross on my, uh, my, my, the pants that I wore. And the idea was, I wanted just to invoke conversation. So they're watching these guys on, the, on these courts, and these crowds are watching, and they would see these crosses and go, hey, maybe there's a, a faith opportunity. It really was designed to be a conversation start. So everywhere I went, as a way to start a conversation, by the way, um, I would wear this cross. But one of the things I noticed early on in my like, faith as I was getting my life right, that every once in a while, I would have weak moments, okay? I don't know if you've ever had a weak moment where I was about to step into something that I know I shouldn't do. I knew was not the right thing to do. And here's what I would always do. I would take the cross off. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Jesus, you don't want to go in here with me. I'm going to put you in the drawer. You just, just, we're good. So you, you, you stay here because you don't want to see this. Like you don't want to, like I, it's not going to be fun if you're with me. So you just stay here. True story. I would take it off, put it in the drawer. Okay, you stay there. And now I'm going to go do what I will later regret doing. My kids are taking notes right here and they're going to use this against me right here. Um, earmuffs, boys, earmuffs, mom, to them. All right, so it's a true story. So I would do that. Now, why would I do that? I want you to hear this. Why would I do that? It wasn't, listen, I wasn't stupid. Like I, I don't really believe that that, you know, $1.50 wood cross made in the China factory really had like the eyes of Jesus in it, right? But what was it? It was the principle. If I could feel like God wasn't there, then I was easier for, to do what I shouldn't do. If I could feel like God didn't see it, like he's in a drawer somewhere. Come on, he's the creator of the universe. But yeah, I can put him in a drawer if I'm putting a cross. If I could, but if I was reminded of his presence, well, I don't, that's not gonna be fun. <laughs> Like, it's not even, like, I just, I just, this is really awkward. Like, I mean, I can't bring him into that. And here's what I would discover is that once again, I want you to understand something. This is so important because we want to do the right thing, right? Like, you, you want to, I know you do. Like, you want to live your life this way. Here's a mindset because there's something about secrecy that empowers temptation. Like, I know you're a good person. I, I was, I was devoted. I did everything I could to try to get my life right with God. But even in those moments, I realized if I just could feel like it was an illusion, Right? But if I could just walk without the mindset that God was in me and he was with me and there's no private sin and no secret sin, it was easier for me to do what I knew I shouldn't do and have all the regrets and shame afterwards. But when I understood he was with me and I could live with that mindset, you know what? It was just easier for me to do the right thing and have less regret. And so the heartbeat, hear me, hear me, hear me. The heartbeat of this understanding and this mindset as you begin to realize in the office, you're not alone. Like when you're working out in the gym, he's with you. He's in you. You represent him. When you're on the date, he's with you. When your parents aren't there, you think they're not going to find out. Yeah, they may not find out, although they probably will. 
but they may not find out. But God will know, and he knows when we do things without integrity in these things. And I'm telling you something. When you can live with the omniscience, the all-knowing God, when you can understand the truth that there's no secret sin and private sin, what that will do is my heart will give you the strength in those moments to go, I'm going to do the right thing rather than live with regrets for the wrong thing. Now, here, here's the second thing that really hit me about this idea of God being all-knowing and all-seeing, and here's what it is. And it really had to do with understanding not just this one side of, man, God knows everything. I can't get away with anything. Right, you can't get away with anything, right? I get that. But here's the other side, what that means. How amazing is God's grace to us? Like, I want you to think about that for a moment. Well, if God is all-knowing and all-seeing, it means he's seen you at your worst, you know those moments you're going, thank God. There were, some of you are like younger going, thank God there wasn't cameras when I was young. But, but your worst moment, which you thought was secret and private, God was with you or in you. He's there. Like he saw it. He was right there. He saw you at your worst. And not only that, not only does he see your actions, he reads your thoughts. So even the things that you wanted to do but you didn't do, not because it was wrong, because you didn't want to pay the consequence for, he knew. So, so you are fully known by God everything that you've ever done wrong, your worst moments, and he still loves you. That's grace. Like, I want us to understand, it isn't just this moment of going, oh, man, God's like this, this, you know, this, um, this, this person that's always on me and sees everything, and I can't get rid of anything. It's understanding that even though he saw you and you still did it, he still loves you and forgives you. That, that hopefully empowers you to do the right thing. In fact, look at this. I love this moment in the scripture with, with Peter. So many of you know who Peter is. Peter's one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And um, one day, as Jesus was getting ready to give his life on a cross, he tells Peter something. And he tells him, hey, Peter, listen to me. Because I'm all-knowing and because I see everything and I know everything, um, I also know what's going to happen in the future, which is kind of crazy. So God doesn't even know just what you've done wrong in the past. He knows what you're going to do wrong next week. And so he looks at Peter and goes, I, I, want, I want to tell you something because I want you to be understanding of this. And I want you to realize what this means about who Jesus is. And here's what I want you to see. He goes, Simon, Simon, that's another name for Peter. Peter, Satan is asked to sift each of you like wheat. Remember, we don't just have a natural enemy. We have a spiritual enemy that wants to take us out. And so he goes, I want you to know something, Peter, that Satan himself is going to try to get you to do something that you regret so you can have shame and guilt and consequences because that's what he loves to do is, is to get. So he's coming after you to take you out. Can I tell you, the same enemy is coming after you as well. He's coming after your children. He's coming after your emotions. That's, that's just the reality. Now listen to this. He says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. Okay, and I want you to understand this. So Peter, even though I know you're gonna fail and you're gonna disown me three times and, and you're gonna betray me at like my moment I need you more than anything else because that's what Peter did. He betrayed him three times. He goes, even though, I want you to know something, I, I, I pleaded for you in prayer. That's grace, by the way. Because what Jesus tells him, and I want you to see this is, hey, Peter, I know what's gonna happen. He's gonna come after you. And we all know the story, many of you know the story at least, is that that moment, the Roman guards soon after this come and take Jesus. Jesus doesn't fight. Peter starts to get freaked out. He doesn't understand what's going on. And then there he goes off and he betrays Jesus three times. Three times. He calls curses down himself. And by the way, Jesus didn't just see it, he was there. And not just there in spirit, the third time as, as Peter is betraying his friend who's dying for him, by the way, just throw that in there, right? Like, as I'm dying for you, he's speaking these curses on Jesus about this whole Jesus thing. And as he turns and looks, and Jesus is right there. He's in the same courtyard. He does it right in front of him. Now, I want you to hear this. And he goes, 
I know what you're gonna do, Peter. You're gonna betray me three times. You're gonna fail me when I needed you as I'm dying for you. But you know what I still did for you? I prayed for you. That's grace, by the way. That's grace. And then he says this, listen to this. So that your faith should not fail. I mean, you're gonna fail, but I just pray it doesn't take you out completely, this, this thing that you do. But Peter, when you've repented, because I know you're gonna do it, I already know the future, I already know you're fail, you're gonna fail three times, I already know it. Um, and, and turn to me again, strengthen your, your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. And I, and I love the heart of Peter. And, and I, I, just, I just love this moment. If we could have the keys come out, that'd be awesome. Um, I, and I love this moment. And what I, what I love about this moment is this, is that Jesus sees Peter in the greatest failure of his life, the shame, the guilt, all of it. And he looks at him and he goes, you know what, I, I prayed for you even though I know it. And not only do I pray, I still choose you. That's grace. Like I saw you in your weakest moment when you thought no one was watching and you're around a campfire and you started to curse. And I, I, I saw you in that moment. What you thought was private wasn't, was secret was not. And in that weakness, you did something you'll regret the rest of your life. Peter wept and felt awful. And Jesus goes, even though I saw that, I want you to know it. Before you were portraying me and I knew you were gonna do it and I'm going to the cross to die. I didn't just go to the cross to die for you. I actually pleaded for you. And Peter don't let guilt and shame take you out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to still go do what I've created you to do. Go lead people. Go make a difference in the world. Don't let this define you. Do you see grace? See, my heart is that there's a sense of us that we look at this and we go, wow, God, you, you knew everything. Like, you knew everything. And, and even though you knew everything about me, you still love me. There's great, in fact, I love, this, I love this verse, and this verse is such a powerful thing. It's just you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, we still did the wrong things. Christ, did, uh, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did he give his life for? For the people that don't get it right. That even though they're not private, they're not secret, they do those things. He goes, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for you. That while you were still sinners... While you're still doing those things in private that you would never do in public. Those things you knew God was with you and he sees you and you still did it. I want you to know something. While you're still sinners, Christ died for you. And my heartbeat as you walk away today is you, you understand that God is omniscient and that God is omnipresent. That he is with you and he is in you. You can't leave him in another room. He will go wherever you go. He will see whatever you see. This is the reality of being inside and being the temple of the Holy Spirit. But my heart isn't that we walk around with this idea of like guilt and shame and well, I can't get away with anything, but in a sense we go, wow. <laughs> like God, um, you knew all of that about me and you still died for me. And here's my heart. My heart is that begin to invoke in us a love to go, well, God, I don't even wanna do that. Like why would I wanna bring harm and hurt the very God that would see me in my brokenness and still love me? How could I repay grace by just engulfing myself and doing the things that would bring shame to you? And so my heartbeat, guys, as we walk this week as we understand there's no such thing as secret sin and there's no such thing as private sin. And that the God of the universe sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay a price 
so that he could dwell in you and forgive you, even though you were in that sin. And right now, across both of our campuses, I want to give um, both our campuses the opportunity to come out and, and actually lead you in the opportunity to surrender your life, to place your faith in the Jesus that gave your li- his life for you even before you cleaned it up, even before you figured that out. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for salvation. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for knowing us fully and still giving your life for us. God, I just pray across these rooms online and in Boynton all over, the people that need to make that decision to place their faith and trust in what you've done, that God, you would call them, you would draw them in to surrender their lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.